Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and thank you for downloading this week's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. Critical diagnosis this week. Here's your case. Okay, we have a 32-year-old male called originally for the choking victims. Uh, patient states he can't swallow and was having a hard time breathing. Stated an allergy to shellfish, and then we almost lost the airway. Unknown meds, no medical history except for the allergy. He got 0.5 of 1 to 1,000 epi. He got an 18-gauge line to left AC. He did get 50 milligrams Benadryl IV, and we did for uh, bolus and 400 milliliters of normal saline. Repeated with 0.3 right where we're in the bay just now. And uh, as you can see, he's starting to kind of revert. Any questions? All right, thank you. Anaphylaxis. Say it with me. Airway and epi, airway and epi, airway and epi. The most important thing that you need to know forever about anaphylaxis is airway and epi, airway and epi. They have studied this. We're not giving airway and epi enough attention. We aren't doing it enough. Airway and epi for anaphylaxis. I don't care what the question is on the test. I don't care if they have anaphylaxis to airways and epi. I don't care. Airway and epi is the right answer to anaphylaxis. Drill it into your head, airway and epi. That's steps one, two, three, four, five every time. That's the big can't miss test question, airway and epi. Let it sink in while we talk physiology, which is also super important, and while we cover the rest of the approach, airway and epi. So let's go. What is anaphylaxis? In anaphylaxis, the antigen that the patient is exposed to, typically a food, drug, or some sort of insect venom, floats to their mast cells and their basophils and cross-links those IgE receptors causing massive, uncontrolled release of stuff. Histamine and tryptase and proteoglycans and all this crap. Antigen exposure and boom, massive physiologic influx of stuff into the circulation. Immediate total body chaos. That's anaphylaxis. It's deadly. It's a big emergency. That's how it works. It's rapid. It's over a few hours. None of this well, I started getting itchy yesterday and maybe a little lightheaded and a little nauseous and a little wheezy. That might be an allergic reaction. Maybe even technically it's anaphylaxis because it meets some criteria. We'll go through that next. But that's not the kind of reaction that kills patients. The life threat is rapidly progressive anaphylaxis. So keeping our physiology in mind, step one. Diagnose anaphylaxis. This is important. These patients are sick. It's happening quickly. You might not even have an obvious exposure. But over the course of a few hours, if not a few minutes, the patient has multiple body systems that start malfunctioning as a result of this massive degranulation. For diagnosis, you need two involved malfunctioning body systems to diagnose anaphylaxis. Most common system, two-thirds of the time this is involved, is derm, skin. So these patients will get flushing or urticaria or rash, any of that. The next most common system is pulmonary. So the patients might get short of breath or have a little bit of wheezing or a lump in their throat. That happens about half the time with anaphylaxis. About a third of cases will have cardiovascular involvement, so 
hypotension, and about a third will have GI involvement, so nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. If you have any two, you should have anaphylaxis on your differential. There is no anaphylaxis test. It's purely a clinical diagnosis, acute multi-system dysfunction involving any two, skin, respiratory, GI, and cardiovascular. Step two, and again, the most important step today, these patients need airway and epi. This is one of those situations where you run out of the room and you grab your attending and you say, hey, I might be overreacting, but this patient looks like they might have anaphylaxis. They have two systems that are rapidly deteriorating. Will you please take a look? Airway and epi, this is so important. Now I'm not saying intubate every anaphylaxis patient. What I am saying is that you are seriously considering tubing every anaphylaxis patient, seriously considering. Not intubating because it looks like it's a hard airway is all the more reason to tube them even more aggressively and earlier because that airway is only gonna get worse. Obviously, there's some art of medicine here, but you are seriously considering intubation right from the beginning, airway and epi. I am also saying give epi to every patient that has anaphylaxis. Give them all epinephrine. No matter how they spin the question on the test, you need to give epi. I am into the thigh. IV is a bit more dangerous, but sometimes it comes to that. And it's okay to give IV epinephrine for true anaphylaxis. Give epinephrine early and often in multiple doses. Don't second guess yourself. That's the test question, airway and epi. Step three, antihistamines. Now everything from this point forward is kind of voodoo. Seems like it should work, probably does. Also very overrated when compared to airway and epi. But step three is you give antihistamines. You give H1 blockers, so Benadryl, Diphenhydramine, H2s are something like ranitidine. Try to counteract at least the histamine portion of that systemic degranulation. That's step three with anaphylaxis. And kind of your first step with just plain old allergic reactions. Step four is steroids. Again, probably overrated. But in my experience, most attendings are still giving steroids. With the thought being that it prevents recurrence of the anaphylaxis. Maybe not true, maybe true, I don't know. But steroids go in your plan. And then last, step five, these patients all need to be sent home with EpiPens, very important. There are generic versions out there, but EpiPen is the most important prescription you give to everybody with anaphylaxis. That's the approach to anaphylaxis. Make a clinical diagnosis when you see involvement of two systems, derm, palm, cardiovascular, and GI. You can totally have anaphylaxis without rash or airway compromise. It happens. You need two. Remember, also, airway and epi, airway and epi, airway and epi. Steps three and four, give your adjuncts, your antihistamines, and your steroids. And step five, remember, that patient needs an EpiPen for home, probably two. Now here's your super pearly pimp question today. What is the absolute worst medicine that you can be taking if you have anaphylaxis? Like in retrospect, 
if you're having anaphylaxis, you yourself, and you could magically remove one medicine from your med list of everything when you're having that allergic reaction, what medicine would you choose? The right answer is beta blockers. Beta blockers increase the severity, the longevity, and the refractoriness to treatment for anaphylaxis. Beta blockers are bad in anaphylaxis. It even makes the epi not work. So if you have a patient on a beta blocker with anaphylaxis and you can't fix them, even with epi and airway and antihistamines and steroids, then it's probably that beta blocker. Follow-up question. What is the medicine you give in this situation? Almost like an antidote. The answer is glucagon. That wraps up this episode, airway and epi. Please never forget airway and epi for anaphylaxis. It's like calcium for hyperkalemia, aspirin for MI, NAC for Tylenol overdose. you got to focus on airway and epi. Lives depend on it. Please tell other students about the podcast. I'm still working on that pocket guide. Going to take a bit of time. It's going to be so worth it. I'm super excited. And until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.